0: Set it all along. yeah. What it is, is what it is. And tonight, in just a few seconds, if you can wait because I can't. What it is, what, is it is, is what
1: it is, is what it is. What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 238 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin?
0: What's going on, brother? You know, this is normally one of our biggest shows of the year, one of the biggest weekends in boxing for the year, Mexican Independence Day weekend. And I look down the gamut of fights we got, and I can't feel like, can't help but feel like boxing is just pulling an A.B. and jerking off on our back and just hitting the road. Bro. <laughs> oh, <laughs>
1: That is brutal. Boxing does that to us all the time. <laughs> it's 2019,
0: man. Yeah, that's a that's a bi weekly occurrence in this sport.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Donde está Canelo. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, man. It is kind of a dry uh um Mexican Independence Day weekend for boxing. I mean, there's gonna be a lot to watch. Um, we got enough to talk about to uh squeeze in a show um here midweek of uh you know the lead up into this uh, typically big boxing weekend but we appreciate all of you tuning in to the 238th episode of the boxing rant podcast be sure to subscribe to the show on itunes spreaker google podcasts youtube spotify um the show is everywhere please subscribe to the show if you haven't already um feel free to leave us a review on itunes we don't ask for reviews we have a lot of them on there and we appreciate all of you that have taken the time to do that um but uh, you know, it helps us. Uh, it helps other people find us um, if you uh, if you leave a review on on iTunes. So we appreciate that. Um, and uh, you can find us on all the social media outlets: Facebook, Instagram, and of course on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at Vince Cummings eighty one and at Kenny Keith Jr. And uh, Vin. Without further ado, let's get right down to it. We're going to jump around here. We got fights on uh, Friday and Saturday, um, the thirteenth and fourteenth. Am I correct there? Is the 14th a Saturday or is that a Sunday? That's correct, sir. All right, I got it right. Um, so we'll start off with Saturday night on ESPN Plus from Las Vegas. Um it's the return of the Mac. Uh Tyson Fury squares off against Otto Whalen. Wallen. Otto Wallen? Whalen. Wallen. Wow. Um Wallen? Wh- yes, Wallen. We'll go with Wallen. Sounds good. Um <laughs> for the um the lineal heavyweight championship of the world as it's written on I'm very surprised to see this written but not surprised at the same time on ESPN's boxing schedule because it doesn't matter which entity you are affiliated with whether it be ESPN, DAZN, um you know, PBC, whatever in the past, Showtime, HBO, um no entity um is 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 too Um, you know, too proud or not too big um, to just claim or consider any fucking type of championship that they can attach to a fight. Now there is something to the lineal heavyweight championship, I guess, in the sense that the guy that beat the guy that beat the guy, but typically um, the guy has all their belts still. (laughs) Um, And so then the, the line, can continue now I'm not a historian uh you know in the sense that I can go back forty fifty sixty seventy years and know if at any point the the lineal heavy you know heavyweight title was the line was broken because the guy had all of his belts stripped, you know what I'm saying um or he just like flat out retired out of nowhere and then the belts had to be fought they were all vacant i i, I don't I don't know about that what I do know is this is getting hammed up and played. Uh, to a point where it's kind of making these guys look silly, especially because of who the opponent is, which is a you know an utter no name. Now, you know Steve Kim did an interview with Tyson Fury that he played on there um, on Steve's podcast with Mario Lopez, the three knockdown rule, where there was a long laundry list of of possible opponents that most boxing fans would recognize that turned down this fight with Tyson Fury, whether they had had fights already scheduled. Uh, there was five or six guys that, um, you know, that turned down the fight. And then, of course, you had the two guys in Dillian White and Jarrell Big Baby Miller that, that, that popped hot recently for PEDs. However you play this card, the fact of the matter is Tyson Fury is about to fight Otto uh, Wallen on uh, ESPN Plus this Saturday. And this lineal heavyweight championship has kind of taken over the story because there's not much of a story with this fight.
0: No, and it speaks to the fucking perverted coverage of the sport that you were talking about at the beginning. Uh, it's they'll go, they'll stop at no, you know, at nothing to push whatever they need to push for their platform. And I get it. This is this is the new age of boxing. Okay, there's no shame in anybody's game. They're they're pushing what they got to push for their product. But I'm sorry, you know, any any real boxing fan, anybody that's that's worth their salt, and and. and Calls themselves a true boxing fan, they're, they're not buying the the Tyson Fury lineal title bullshit. Okay, when <clears throat> the fact of the matter is, yeah, he did win the lineal championship when he beat Vladimir Klitschko, but then when you uh, follow that up by testing positive, not once but twice, two separate times in two separate months, uh, you disappear from the sport. You go on a drug and alcohol binge. Um, you claim to be depressed, which we may or may not have been. I'm not here to I'm not here to argue that one way or the other. But here's what I will say is that this comeback, minus Tyson Fury getting up in the twelfth round versus Deontay Wilder, this, this has been the most tedious, obnoxiously boring like you know, Tyson Fury can sell a fight and he he's one of the best in boxing on a microphone and, and, and being who he is as a character. But it's gotten old, man. Like I, I can't tell you how like I'm just kind of I'm 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 tired of it. Like I'm tired of the I'll beat him. I'll beat this guy with one hand behind my back. He's dropped the dosser bit. You know, at least <laughs> at least he had some some funny sayings, you know, and and, and it, and it was fresh two years ago or a year ago when he when he started this comeback, but now it's it's to the point where and I get it. You said other fighters were were offered this fight, you know whether they were or weren't or whatever the deal is. Who knows? I'm sure Kubrat Pulev was because he's a top ranked controlled fighter, but I don't really care. Like at this point, this comeback has become uh, it, it's it's boring. Like they've somehow figured out a way to make. Tyson Fury, not must see TV when he was must see TV on his lead up to this comeback and, and all the shit talking he did about all the other heavyweights. But if you're, you know, if you're going to spend two years not fighting any of them and four of the five fights in this comeback have been against guys that nobody knows, I get it. You know, Otto Wallen was, is apparently a, a decent fighter in sparring circles and and you know he's got some pedigree behind him, that's fine. But nobody knows who the fuck he is. Like, and, and and this is the fight you bring to the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas on on Mexican Independence Day weekend. And now you know the you see Fury the other day. He's coming to the press conference in the open training, and he's he's rocking the Mexican flags. And like, dude, come on, man! Don't you don't have to try that fucking hard, like. To me, it seems like they're trying too hard with Fury to like get everybody to try and forget about who these opponents are by him saying on every platform that he goes on that he can beat every other heavyweight that's worth a that's that's in the top five that's worth anything with one hand tied behind his back. But I'm sorry, man, as a as a fight fan, I ha- like I'm really not interested in watching this fight on Saturday. I you know give me a reason to be there. Like, can somebody tell me? Give me one good reason why I should give a shit about this fight. And I'm a diehard fight fan. Don't sit here and tell me because I'm saying that I'm not. There's just nothing there, man. Like what, what is the redeeming quality that would make me want to watch Tyson Fury outbox this kid for 12 rounds? Maybe this kid survives 12 rounds. Is that, is that why I should tune in uh, for, uh, for another you know, 12 round boar fest that can be Tyson Fury, that can be a Tyson Fury fight. I'm sorry, man. I'm just, I don't know about you, Ken, but it's not doing it for me, brother. It it just ain't. No,
1: it's not. It's not doing it for me either. I mean, look, I think the, the reality of the situation here is then, is that, um, if there's anything that Tyson Fury related to look forward to, it's going to be, you know, five months from now. Right. Um. You know, it's not going to be it's going to be in February if, if if there is a Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury fight that is actually signed for February. Right. So that's what everybody should look forward to. And until until that happens, I mean, this is, you know, uh, five months is a little early to be promoting a fight in February, Um. but they'll try to do it. But, you know, th- I think this speaks to a larger problem. And 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 I think that it's you know, part of the, um, you know, the effect, uh, the aftermath of, uh, all these splits and divisions, right? Like the zone has been able to, like, they got the, like the big ticket fighters, right. They got like the HBO fighters, they got, um, you know, the big names, um, you know, a couple of them, like, you know, the ones that move the needle, the ones that make the most money, the ones that, um, you know, and, and they've been able to put some, like their schedule for the rest of the year is just silly. I mean, they, they by far have the best, Boxing schedule for the remainder of 2019. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know the PBC; they have their stable of of, of fighters, so they're going to put on their fights. I mean, I'm really looking forward to a great card. Is the uh, Errol Spence and um, uh, and Sean Porter card? Like, there's some good fights on that card. It's going to be exciting. Um, I'm really looking forward to that at the end of the month. So that's like the you know there are some things to look forward to here. But as far as like the ESPN Top Rank thing goes, you know I've kind of noticed this with Top Rank throughout. I don't know, maybe the last five or six years in boxing as a whole is that if you are a big name, let, like let's just say Tyson Fury or um, Terrence Crawford or even, you know, I would say not necessarily as big a name, but maybe as accomplished, Carl Frampton, right, has now, uh, you know, come over and, and joined the ranks or whatever. I mean, outside of Alexander Vozdik versus, you know, Baterbiev, it's just a bunch of showcase fights for them for the rest of the year. Yeah. right and you know it's like signing with ESPN in top rank. even though if, if if I had it my way right I, and this has nothing to do with allegiances or who like, owns the companies or which promoters or which and and who they're I'm just talking about networks the most convenient network for me for all these fights to be on is ESPN right because I'm, I'm kind of a, just immersed in all of you know college football and you know, watching all the NFL coverage that they have on ESPN. So it's just like natural for me to click on my Xfinity box to HD channel 850. Yeah, if you're, you know what I'm if saying? you're
0: a man, that's the default channel.
1: Exactly. So, um, you know, that being said, if, if I had it my way, they'd all be signed on ESPN. I don't care who their promoters are, but that's just not the way it is. But now it, it kind of seems like, yes, outside of Lomachenko, right, who they're really pushing hard and they're real, and they're putting them in big fights. I mean, Terrence... Terrence Crawford's career is just floundering, you know what I mean? And he, it, there's not an opponent in sight that's worth a shit. Um, you know, they couldn't get the Manny Pacquiao thing done before he left, and now he's just kind of out like flapping in the wind. And what's going to happen? He's in the middle of his prime, and it, all all signs point to it being being wasted unless he leaves Top Rank. It's like he's 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 almost you know it's like Top Rank has almost pinned him in a corner, like giving him an ultimative that they don't want to give him. You know what I mean? They don't want to give that ultimatum to Terrence Crawford. They want to keep Terrence Crawford under their banner, but can they make the uh, can they make the fights that he wants to? Uh, Terrence Crawford should be doing what Manny Pacquiao is doing right now, fighting all the best PBC fighters, or or just simply put, the best welterweights out there. Mm-hmm. Tyson Fury, look, the problem with Tyson Fury is is that you got the 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 Deontay Wilder fight is sandwiched in be, in between his two comeback fights, where it took he had to have two comeback back fights over a year to lose one hundred and fifty pounds right, so and, and he had to take three years off, so that is really exciting, right, <laughs> and that's something to you know get you you know a semi, and then, after he fights you know wilder in an epic fight, then it's like do do made a Schwartz be with you and and Otto Wallen, right, yep. and so, okay, then let's get to February, but my, you know, I think you understand what I'm saying though about the whole. It's just a, it's the vibe and the feeling I'm getting because like, for example, like I heard that part of this top rank lineup that they're going to announce is Oscar Valdez and, and Carl Frampton. And I'm like, oh, man, that's awesome. That's a fucking that's a fight. I, I love that fight. Right. No, not so fac- In in showcase fights
0: on the same card. Yes. And then eventually maybe they'll meet later because we need to first we need to see how good these guys are. Right. We need no, to just, we see that one more time, don't we? Dude, put them in the ring with each other
1: now. And if it's a good fight, which I imagine those two would put on a good fight, run it back three times. You don't have any other options. Yeah. So you know what I'm saying? Like like create something. It's gonna be on ESPN, so why not why not roll the dice and see if we can create our ourselves a poor man's version of Vasquez Marquez, right? Right. Like like, let's see if we can just you know eh, snake eyes, baby, and just roll them and see if it happens. I mean, y- you don't know. I mean, Oscar Valdez, from, from what I can see, is so unbelievably vulnerable, but at the same time, so unbelievably mouthwatering and appealing to a fight fan to watch. Right, Carl Carl Frampton is one of the most skilled boxers on the planet, but he's 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 getting older, and he's he's. He's not at the end of his career, but he's in the back half. You know what I mean? Right. So these guys, it, it is is—it's a crossroads fight for both of them, but you got to build it up. So, so what? you going to turn Oscar Valdez into, into Gilberto Ramirez?
0: Well, he's I, just going to wa- wander off and they're going to be like, where'd Oscar go? I think that to me, it's almost like they do it like backwards. Like, why wouldn't you put that fight first and then give them a tune up fight before they fight again? So, like, Okay, give us Frampton Valdez first, and everybody will watch <laughs> it and go, "Oh shit!" Next time Frampton or Valdez fights, I want to watch it because I yeah. know that they're both fucking entertaining as hell. But you put them in against these guys that you know the showcase fight that has become so much of boxing these days, and it, a, a a casual fan, which is for whatever fucking reason, the the it, the, the, the casual fan is like the, it's like a it's like a fucking. The Raiders of the Lost Ark, or the search for the fucking the the Covenant. Uh, it's like what are we what are we doing here? This doesn't fuck like you're not going to get the casual fan in, in in a fight between whoever it may be and Carl Frampton, or whoever it may be and Oscar Valdez, or Otto Wallen and Tyson Fury. You're not getting more fans by showcasing these guys against people that nobody knows. And in the sport of boxing, there's such there's just this never ending journey. To find this, this group of fans that's going to like somehow lift the sport of boxing back to greatness, like, like this fucking, uh, Paul KSI fight, like somehow that's going to bring more fans to the sport of boxing. Like you think those fucking people that really want to watch that fight care about Billy Joe Saunders and whoever that he's going to fight on the undercard? No, they won't even have it on. They won't care, and they're not going to tune back in when Billy Joe Saunders fights again. Like the the their whole approach to this to me is fucking mind-boggling. Like but that's
1: but but they're just trying to justify it to you and I by pitching it that way. The reality is it's a cash grab with these two guys. That will bring them viewers. That's all it is. They don't care about Billy Joe
0: Saunders. No, no. That's to get. You, that's to get you and I to, to tune into it. That's to get us to talk shit like we're doing right now, too. Right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, it's exactly. I like. They've dropped the ball with Tyson, like Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. The ending of that fight, like take out the twelfth, take out the the twelfth round. The first eleven rounds, minus one knockdown earlier in the fight. That was a very boring fight for the most part. Tyson Fury was schooling him. Yeah, it was a, a clean sweep, 10-2 with the knockdowns, right? So, you know, the, the juice was there. the The fucking fervor was there. And that is when you had the chance to grasp the casual fan because they all saw and heard about it and how many people viewed and replayed that knockout and Tyson Fury getting up. But they dropped the ball. They dropped the ball big time. Now everybody's for in today's world that fu- that might as well have happened, uh, you know, ten fucking years ago. That's so far, that's so far out of people's minds. In boxing, there, there, there's this constant, like never ending quest to draw in the casual fans and keep them there for good. When really they come and go when the fi- when the matchup really fucking matters, and, and when and when you can capture them for that one night. They're going to come and then they're going to go away and, and that's fine. But like they need to realize that and fucking strike when the iron's hot instead of what we get 70% of the time in the sport, more than fucking 70% of the time, 80 or 90% of the time, really. And they, they just, to me, I don't understand it and I don't understand how the people inside the business can't see this. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not very smart. I'm just a guy who does a podcast that doesn't really know that much, but somehow I can see this, but you can't. I, 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 it just doesn't make sense to me, man.
1: Yeah. I just think that, you know, there's, there's too many things going on. There's too many avenues to try to make money. I think fighters are happy enough with the money that they make, especially when you get to the, to the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua level of earnings in the heavyweight division. Right. Uh, Canelo Alvarez and and Gennady Golovkin in the middleweight divisions there's not like these guys aren't hungry enough they like they're they I, I'm not I'm not taking away from their you know their their hunger when they get in the training and are getting ready for an opponent and getting ready to go put on a show right I, I'm not I'm not questioning that these guys work hard at what they do but the the perks of what they put in to two camps a year, two fights a year are so great now. Like the luxury of it, like they don't like uh, Anthony Joshua is a perfect example. Like he has been been gravitating for the last, you know, two or three years into a a social media influencer because it's an easier life and the perks of that are so wow, I can I can I can literally earn money by doing nothing. I'm a Kardashian, right? Right? So why not do that instead of getting punched in the face? So there's not a rush to get back in the ring. I mean, you want to talk about somebody like Canelo Alvarez, who he's the highest paid fighter in the world. And my boy literally goes MIA in between fights. And he goes on vacation. He travels, plays golf. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like life is too good outside of the ring. So these guys don't like yearn to, wow, I don't. I don't want to go through that again, maybe in like two years, you know, let me go right. spend some of this money first, you know, and that's just the
0: mind. It's the mind frame. To I don't, mind. I don't, you know, what I, I mean? don't blame them either. I mean, that, that's what's going to happen. Like if I had that much money, I'd probably do the same fucking thing. Like I, I'm not here blaming the fighters, but this is the sport. and This is the reality uh, of where we're at. And when you're a fight fan, you're looking from the outside into what's going on in the sport. I mean, that's, that's what I see. That's what you see. I think most people that that you know watch boxing with a keen eye are smart enough to realize like nobody's taken away from these guys' warrior mentality and and what they are and what the respect they deserve as fighters by saying this at what we're saying right now. But it is what it is. This is the sport. You fucking make that much money, and, and eventually it, it, it's like Mick says to Rocky in Rocky Three when he doesn't want him to fight uh, Clubber Lang. You know, the worst thing happened to you that could ever happen to a fighter. You got civilized. And as soon as that happens, you know, who wants to get the shit kicked out of them uh, when you can throw in a fucking, an easy payday, you know, and, and you just got to worry about that one tough fight every year or that one tough fight every, you know, nine to 16 months that you might get in. And, and, and again, don't take it as a shot at the fighters. It's not a shot at the fighters. It's a shot at the business of boxing and what it's become. And, and as a fan, it, it gets fucking frustrating because you get a, a a September 14th lineup of fights that we have this coming weekend. It's just it just is what it is, man. You get these years in in boxing, you know what I mean? Like
1: we have had these years th- throughout time where it's like, wow, that was literally the worst year of boxing.
0: So then like teen comes to mind. Yeah, and then
1: so w- and then what happens? Then your your typical, you know, run on Uh, Boxing is dead. Articles start getting written. You know what I mean. And it's like, okay, stop, 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 stop. It's look, boxing isn't dead. It'll never be dead. But the reality of the situation is, you get years where they're setting up for the next year for the big fights that happens. You know, every 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 two or three years that happens, right? Um, You know, and then on top of the fact that not much happens during the summer in boxing for whatever reason. So just deal with it. This is the best part of boxing right now. Is, is is you know the time between you know let's say like april and and fourth of july you know what i mean mm-hmm. like that's a good a good time but this is the best time of boxing in my opinion my personal boxing fan opinion is from the end of september to december is the best time of the year for boxing yep it's the end of the year the holidays are coming and people are cramming in those last big fights of the year um you know, and and typically it's led some. It's it uh, the the fights that happen at the end of the year have been built up from earlier in the year. You know, if it's a, if it, you know if it's a really good boxing year, but the close of the season is great. And and, and it's just not going to happen on ESPN Plus. I mean, the one fight that you're going to open Philly is going to be fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, you know, but it's just not going to be there. It's going to be on the zone. Speaking of the zone, um, on uh, Friday night, uh, we have the WBC interim lightweight uh, title is on the line to be the mandatory to the champion, uh, Vasily Lomachenko as Devin Haney squares off against Zaur uh, Abdullayev, um, from the Hulu theater in uh, New York city on the zone. Um, then this is Mauricio's way of trying to, I don't know, force a, a big fight with Lomachenko get his, I, I don't know. I mean, this is, uh, I don't think Devin Haney – I mean, Devin Haney is, is is a phenom. He's the next coming. Um, I believe deeply in the abilities of Devin Haney. I think that one day um, he will be the pound-for-pound pound best boxer in the world if everything goes right for this kid at 140 pounds. And, you know, maybe even at welterweight one day. This is kind of thrust pretty fast. I guess, you know, when we're talking about being, becoming the mandatory for Lomachenko – I guess you can't really fault anybody for wanting to fast track, right? To fight the ultimate fast
0: tracker. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and, and, and this fight is, you know, this isn't a walk in the park, right? Uh, Abdulayev is not, not a, he's not a fucking tomato can. He's not, this is, you know, this guy's a, a solid young fighter that will make Haney work to get this victory. And Haney will win. I mean, it's, it's pretty much a, a shoo-in. You can look at the odds and they'll tell you that. Here's the, here's the issue I have with what's going on with the WBC right now and them kind of making this. It was going to be an eliminator fight for for Lomachenko. They, they, they set that aside, and now it's for the interim belt. So we kind of saw this before with Charlo and Canelo Alvarez, right? This same situation, I think, is what's going to play out here at 135 pounds. You're going to see Devin Haney win this fight, get the interim 135-pound title, and I guess, yes, you can say now he is the mandatory for for Vasil Lomachenko. But what's going to happen with Lomachenko is he may or may not get a fight in between fighting the winner of Comey Lopez to completely unify hundred the 135-pound division. And you know what's going to happen then? Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have our second franchise champion crowned by the WBC, which will mean Lomachenko will be be, be crowned the franchise champ at 135 pounds, and Devin Haney will immediately be bumped up to champion. The, the interim status will come off, he will be called the WBC champion, and then he can fight any one of the up-and-coming young fighters in that weight class but Lomachenko, what he will do from there is maybe he'll bounce back down to 130. Maybe he'll fight Mikey Garcia at a catch weight between 135 and 140. But what, what, what won't happen is we won't see Devin Haney versus Lomachenko next year. Uh, if if we do, I fucking hope so. I mean, I, look, whether you think Devin Haney is ready or not, it doesn't really fucking matter. He's clearly a super talent, and I, I'm i all for super talents, fighting super talents, whether one of them is, has been prepped enough for that level of fight or not, you know, but this, this just stinks of that franchise champion situation to me. And I can just see it coming and that's fine. You know, whatever I, I I'm cool with Devin Haney fighting Tiafimo Lopez. I'm cool with Devin Haney fighting Richard Comey. I, like there's plenty of fights that can be made at 135 pounds with this young crop of talent. That will be very good, but to me, I you know, if if everybody thinks that this is the uh, this will eventually lead to Haney Lomachenko, uh, I think you got another thing coming here. Uh, come early next year, about March or so, you're going to be hearing uh, Vasily Lomachenko. If he if he handles business, he'll be announced as 135 pound WBC franchise champion.
1: Yeah, because I mean the direction he's going to go for first is to unify all the belts. Right. And once he, and once he does that, then he's going, he's he's not going to sit there and defend all the belts. He's going to, he's going to move, um, you know, and move on to the next big goal in his career. Um, you know, whatever that may, may be, you know, this is, this is very similar, um, you know, minus the franchise thing that, you know, Suleiman's trying to like, I guess, steal an idea from the WBA, which, that's not very smart. Let's um, just a- add more layers of belt. Automatically boost somebody to champion. But it's very similar. If you remember, remember um, the uh, uh, the Mexican style fight from StubHub back in 2014 when Golovkin fought Marco Antonio Rubio. Absolutely. Um, and everybody was like, "Why is he fighting Rubio? Like, why is he fighting Rubio? <laughs> he's he's gonna destroy Rubio." Well, because r- the fight against Rubio yeah. was g- was Golovkin's. Avenue towards Miguel Cotto, right. who had just who had just beaten Sergio Martinez a couple months before that. When you and I were at that fight at Madison Square Garden when when Miguel Cotto lifted the WBC middleweight title. So for Golovkin to get a mandatory shot, he knew that was the only way he was going to get Cotto in the ring was by becoming his mandatory. So the Marco Antonio Rubio fight, although it turned into be the biggest piece of genius marketing as far as catapulting the career of Gennady Golovkin. I mean, how many fights against a guy that you're like a three thousand to one favorite against can 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 you know actually boost your status in the sport? But it, but in reality, it was the, the marketing aside was just icing on the cake. It was a, a strategic move by Team Golovkin to try to get towards that WBC belt, um, and you know that's what Devin Haney really wants. He wants the biggest fights. I believe him. You know, I believe he wants to get at Lomachenko, but Lomachenko. His priority now, he he just picked up belt number three. His priority is not, uh, you know, uh, going around and fighting WBC mandatory. No, he may have one more fight. He may wait, and his next fight might be, you know, he may wait for the Teofimo Lopez uh, uh, fight winner. You know, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, Heather Hardy and Amanda Serrano are on this undercard, Vin.
0: I mean, I'm that, looking forward. That's the first women's fight we've ever talked about, Ken.
1: Well, i didn't I'm, I, I I was just saying that
0: it's on the card I didn't say I wanted to talk about the fight <laughs> <laughs> look I don't really care to talk about the fight either although if you want to say you know in a in a weekend of kind of matchups that aren't really that great uh, this might be like the the biggest 50 50 fight of the weekend <laughs> and, and may end up being the best fight of the weekend but me personally for me this fight uh I'm gonna say this I had a run-in with Amanda Serrano a year or so ago on Twitter and was fucking attacked by no end by the army that is women fighters and just the most ridiculous fucking shit. I can't stand that girl. The 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 attack that was brought on that day, I'm like, "What is? Who is this fucking girl? And do you even know who the fuck I am and you're you're coming at me about something that I didn't even say?" But that's fine. Go ahead. You blocked me on Twitter cuz for whatever reason I I didn't say anything derogatory except for what I just said. So I'll be pulling for Heather Hardy a big time on Saturday night. I'll be dialed in my friend. If I if I remember
1: correctly this Twitter um uh you know bombardment that you received it had to do with an episode that we were talking about how we just didn't like women's boxing. Like we didn't say We didn't like this woman fighter because, you know, whatever. We just said, you know, it's kind of like, I don't watch this sport. It's the same thing as I don't watch women's boxing. And Amanda Serrano came at at you like you were sexist and started accusing you of being sexist. But in the same word, in the same argument, I think she called you a faggot. Yeah. So she was so it's like, okay. so hold on a second. So so you're one of those feminists then. Right. Right. Is that is that you use you use racial and and derogatory sexual uh, commentary to make your point about women's power. Okay, okay, hypocrite.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. You like men's boxing uh, more than women's boxing. What are you, gay? Like, come on. What are you, fucking 12 years old? Like, yeah, everybody likes men's boxing more than women's boxing. All men like men's sports more than women's sports,
1: so yeah i love I love men's boxing because he's hot, yeah,
0: I mean, sorry for the fucking reality of the situation, and then like everybody ever uh, there was like five women fighters that that jumped on the bandwagon and just heather Hardy was one of them no nah, she wasn't she was she wasn't no, she was not she made a comment about something, but she never made a comment to me, and I actually said in the threat- in that back and forth i'm like look, I don't really watch women's boxing because I'm not really a fan. I do know of Heather Hardy because she is one that's promoted uh, and, and has been on a couple undercards that I've actually seen fight. But other than that, no, I don't know who any of you are, and I don't really care. But, you know, they couldn't take that, Ken. They couldn't couldn't take somebody giving them a real fucking uh, honest opinion of, of, of what they thought of the situation. So, yes, I, this weekend I will be rooting for – Heather Hardy and her immaculate posterior to beat the hell out of Amanda Serrano.
1: Touche. Um, and I will say I am a huge Michaela Mayer fan, though. Oh, go Michaela. Aren't we all? Yes. Team Michaela, for sure. Um, and that's there's no sarcasm in that uh in that tone whatsoever. Um, all right. So now we jump back to Saturday night um on the zone from uh the the stadium formerly known as the StubHub Center in Carson, California, um, as Jaime Mungia defends the WBO 154-pound strap against Patrick Alotti and Ryan Garcia scores off against Avery Sparrow. Is that,
0: is that a real person? <laughs> Avery Sparrow? I saw him fight on uh, Lamont Roach undercard in D.C. like two years ago, and he was actually the most entertaining. His fight was the most entertaining fight of the night, and he was probably – the most entertaining fighter of the night. And he's a slick dude. The most interesting thing about this fight, you know, Sparrow's coming up in weight, So he's going to be a smaller fighter coming into this fight. That being said, the the most interesting part of this fight is in the last few days, we've seen that Avery Sparrow's team has basically come out and said, yeah, uh, we asked Ryan Garcia to do drug testing. And he basically told us to fucking pound sand and kick all the rocks down the road. Cause, uh, we're not going to do it. And I, you know, I don't know if anybody's been paying attention to pictures of Ryan Garcia that have come out here recently in the last couple months, but my boy filled out pretty quickly. You know, it says, I hold on now. Uh, I don't remember him, him looking that, uh, that muscular uh, a few months ago, but, You know, nonetheless, he, he is in camp with the Reynosos and Canelo Alvarez. So we know how that goes. So, so what you're saying is we should uh,
1: rename Ryan Garcia, we should call him OJ because of the juice is loose. (laughs)
0: Exactly. I mean, look, look, you at least have to question it after those pictures that have come out and then just flat out denying fucking drug testing. I mean, come on. Uh, that, that, if that's not a red flag, I don't know what is.
1: I don't believe in red flags, Vin. Okay. Nope. Red flags trigger me. <laughs> All right. Uh, they would, you know, that, um, you know, that, you know, that Mexican guy that's running for president, uh, Roberto Duran, is that his name? Bet- yeah.
0: Beto, Roberto Duran. Roberto Duran. Yes. Manos de Piedra.
1: <laughs> yeah. He said he wants to red flag. My rifles. <laughs> Ain't taking your guns now, are you? Nah. S- sorry, Roberto. <laughs> I think his real name is Robert Francis O'Rourke.
0: <laughs> now that's now that is a Mexican name. <laughs> you know, if he was a fighter, that might sell like a mother, the Irish Mexican Beto Duran. You know, I, <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Let's let's get away from uh, the political arena. Let's get back to the boxing arena then. Um Okay. So Jaime Munguia versus Patrick Alati. Um, I think, you know, Jaime Munguia had a lot of fanfare and a lot of, uh, um, you know, a lot of hype behind him and, you know, rightfully so he was exciting, young, exciting fighter, um, to watch, but he has kind of been slapped with, um, you know, the label of, uh, of suspect um, over his last, I guess, two performances. And I think there's a lot to prove in this fight because a lot of people don't think he should be defending
0: a belt in this one, man. Well, I mean, he's defending Dennis Hogan's belt. That's plain to see. I mean, he lost that last fight. I don't, I, I don't know what anybody else thinks, but I'm I'm pretty sure Dennis Hogan should have walked out of there with the belts. But that being said, that shit happens uh, all the time in this sport. Mugi is training with, with Eric Morales now, so I don't know if that makes a difference. The kid's... He's also come out and said he's never seen Eric Morales fight, which is like, dude, he comes from the, like he's a legend from the same town as you. You never watched one of his fights and you're, you're a box. I don't like what the fuck, what is going on here? But yeah, I don't know if this is going to like take him back down the road of, they tried to turn him into a little bit of a boxer in these last few outings and it didn't work for him. I think he needs to just stick with what he's good at, which is, you know, come forward, put the pressure on, throw a ton of punches and do what you do best. Uh, maybe Eric Morales does that for him. Maybe he doesn't. We'll I, we'll, we'll find out on Saturday.
1: Yeah, I guess we will. Um, all right, let's move to the news and notes. Um, so it's official, but it's not official. Uh, I don't know, whatever. But we know that the fight is signed. Is it just hasn't been? Uh, I guess publicly announced yet for November second on the Zone. Um, Canelo Alvarez versus Sergey Kovalev for the Crushers WBO light heavyweight title. Um, and, uh, I guess there's been some numbers that have come out on this thing. We know what Canelo is making for the fight, mm-hmm. but, uh, the crusher to pull in a career high $12 million.
0: Does that make you holla? That make me holla, except it will make, uh, Kathy Duva and top rank holla a little more cause they chopping off the top of that thing. Yeah. I, I don't even think he'll get 10 million when, by the time they, they chop their share off, he's going to, he's probably going to make eight, 9 million, which, Hey, that's still a hell of a payday, but. I I, I got to be wondering right now if Sergei Kovalev's like God damn it why did I let Top Rank get a piece of me? <laughs> now just, um, you know,
1: I don't know. I mean, you know, the way that people are 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 spinning this fight um, is that basically, you know, the moral of the story is if you read uh if you read all the all the Twitter experts out there, the boxing experts on Twitter, um, that Sergei Kovalev is basically you know going after this career high payday in exchange for pissing a gallon of blood um on November third, right? Right. And uh look, I'm glad he's 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 look in in my opinion and most people um that, you know, have paid attention to the sport recognize that the you know three time light heavyweight champion of the world is is on his way to Canastota. And that being said, um he probably should have already made this amount in a, in a fight. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not an accountant for what fighters make. Uh, it just sucks that you, that I don't know if it sucks or not. You know, it's just the whole vibe that I'm getting in the lead into this fight. I'm trying to train my brain to, to, to look at this as, as a realist. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to look at this that there are there, there there are factors that Canelo Alvarez is going to have to overcome if he thinks he's going to win this fight. That is the reality, but the narrative here, it's not good for the promotion. They need to pump the brakes. They need to allow the announcement of this fight to do a reboot on the narrative here because the cat's out of the bag. Um people that have been close to Golden Boy have been running their mouths and basically saying that canelo's picked off a mark and i don't think that that is is what da wants so um you know hopefully they put a reboot on this thing and uh they they give some they put some respect on that on that crush's name Vin.
0: <laughs> well look this is the same thing that happened when when uh spence garcia was announced right everybody everybody everybody's initial reaction was like oh what a fucking mismatch you know this that and the other which was a reverse you know, Garcia had no chance coming up. And in this one, Canelo has all the chances in the world of, you know, of winning this fight. But as, as the fight rolls around, the intrigue kind of sucks any, any, any really big boxing fan in because of the names and because of what you've seen them do in the past and, and, and what, you know, they're capable of. So I'm quite sure by the time November 2nd rolls around, uh, everybody will be 100% dialed into what will probably end up being, you know, it's not going to be the biggest fight of the year pay-per-view wise for all those people that love to, you know, claim this and that fight is the biggest fight of the year based on that. But as far as intrigue and and, and attention that this fight will garner when November 2nd comes around, uh, I'm pretty sure this will wind up being the biggest fight in the sport. Now, you know, I, I'll, I'm going to stick to my guns, and from what I've said from when this fight was, you know, the possibilities of, the, of this fight were being thrown around. This to me is slightly different because Kovalev is not Charles Martin. He's an established Hall of Fame fighter, uh, on the backside of his career. And apparently maybe signing a three fight deal with the zone to roll into this fight. But it, it it just seems like he might be selling his belt. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being the cynical boxing fan that I am, but I'm sorry. It it feels like he's selling his belt to me and I don't blame him. You know, if he's earned the money, take it, get what you can get on your way out the door. I get it. But, uh, like you spoke of the narrative of the fight and and what it is, you know, the only people that don't see that narrative are Canelo Alvarez fans that want to tell you that this is the, the grandest uh leap in, in in weight classes and and an opponent in the history of the sport of boxing and the legend that is kid cinnamon will grow uh you know beyond belief if he beats sergey kovalev and he'll get his respect and I will respect him for beating a fighter the likes of which is two weight cla- uh two weight classes above him and a hall of fame fighter but uh, there's a reality to the situation and we're not going to I don't have to get into it cuz we've already talked about it a couple episodes ago but it is what it is in my eyes, it's, it's a, it's a, a, a legacy grab and a, and a belt sell all in one.
1: Yeah. I mean, to quote the, um, you know, the great American president, George W. Bush, strategic. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's all, that's what this is in the eyes of team Canola. Political,
0: political reference, heavy, heavy show tonight, Ken.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to keep it light. You know what I mean? But <laughs> the political stuff, keep it light. Um, you know, it's, it's just a disrespect to Kovalev because he's not fucking washed, man. His legs aren't what they used to be, but geez, dude, I mean, this guy can still fight. Yes. You know what I'm saying? He can definitely fight. like, And, and I haven't seen Canelo and we'll, we'll get into this more as, as, as we get closer to November, but I haven't seen Canelo damage anybody at 160 pounds. <laughs> so let's pump the brakes that he's going to jump to 175 and more to this guy. Um, all right, so uh, also uh, coming down the pipe, November 23rd, on pay-per-view, seems to be a bit of a back-and-forth between old rat boy Espinosa and Fox on who's going to land the pay-per-view then. <laughs> um, but Deontay Wilder and Luis Ortiz, part two, the rematch, as Deontay Wilder defends his WBC Heavyweight Championship um, against the 78-year-old Luis Ortiz. Uh, yeah, it
0: took long enough that Ortiz uh, aged another decade before they announced this fucking fight. But uh, that's right, man. Finally, he, we have he, it. he. He ages in dog years. <laughs> it seems that way. Um.
1: Yeah. I mean, I hope Fox gets it, just so Espinosa doesn't. Oh, well,
0: I'm, I'm, <laughs> if there's one thing I'm pulling for this year, it is that.
1: <laughs> and we hate on the people that like that, that align themselves with with uh, you know. <laughs> with promoters and, 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 uh, you know, broadcasting partners. I don't align myself with anybody, but I'd love to see Showtime fail. <laughs> this
0: is for my, you know, this I mean? is for my own selfish, personal joy. All right. <laughs>
1: yeah. Shits and giggles.
0: That's all. <laughs> um,
1: so Hey, that's, you know, look, Canelo versus crusher, Deontay Wilder, King Kong Two. I love it. Um, I'm down for uh, some November fights. Absolutely. Um, all right. Julian J. Rock Williams versus uh, Jarrett Heard Part 2. Everybody was looking forward to this fight. Um, you and I had even discussed, we 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 went to the first fight earlier this year about running it back and heading to New York for the second fight. But it ain't happening. It's officially not happening.
0: Man. Yeah, and, you know, we had heard whispers of it weeks, a couple weeks before it got announced. And I, I had a conversation with Breadman this week about the whole situation and, you know, kind of how they – for whatever reason, it's, it's odd to me that, that, that J-Rock gets like lumped into this group of, you know, because he's so transparent and, and is out in the open about drug testing for his fights and making sure his opponents fall into this 90 day, you know, drug testing period, if they're going to fight him. And, you know, you're talking about a guy that, in a sport where most fighters are not nearly as transparent or it's just kind of something that like, yeah, they're signed up for VADA, but we don't really know how many times they were tested or really how the whole system works. This, this is a guy that puts it out there for everybody to see, but for whatever reason they get attacked in this situation, because somehow people are thinking that like uh, by them bringing it up, that they're somehow throwing Jared Hurd under the bus, which is not what they're doing at all. And 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 Breadman uttered those exact words to me. They they love Jared Hurd as a fighter and and everything about him. He's a family guy, and and they got no reason to to throw dirt on a guy. <clears throat> they wanted this rematch. They like the fight for the you know for for them. They think they they can win another fight, and that just adds more to what J Rock is as a champion already. But it's weird that everybody kind of attacks them like and comes at him with. Well, you know, if you're so righteous on your on your drug testing pedestal, why are you not in 24/7 365? and, you know, why this and why do you work with Victor Conti and why do you work with Remy? And all of this it's like, dude, what do you, what do you what do you want these guys to do? They they're in every program that they can be in, and they try to to be as transparent as possible, but somehow they come out of this situation looking like shit, which is very odd to me. It's like What is with these boxing fans? I, you know, never mind. They're boxing fans. I do get it. They're a little, they're, they're a little off. So so they, they, they kind of decipher things and see them however they want to see them. But, you know, it was a good conversation, kind of cleared everything up as far as, you know, I saw it. I was one of the people that uh, after this was announced, I I came at Jared Herb with, you know, look, Lee should be questioned for this. The, the 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 stuff that surrounds this situation and him moving up. I mean, yeah, they did drug testing in the first fight and <clears throat> and he lost. And he didn't look like the same Jared Hurd in some people's eyes. You know, whether you think that or not, that's fine. I'm just saying that as, as a observant fight fan, it's at least begs the question, like to at least say, eh, looks a little strange. I'm not going to accuse the guy like, Oh, he's a, he's a, he's clearly, clearly a PED user. No, no, I'm not going to do that, but I am going to say, Hmm, looks a little funny. That's all, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Too many times in the sport of boxing, especially when it comes to PEDs, it's just completely brushed under the rug and moved on from. And that's what everybody that covers the sport and is paid to cover the sport in a situation like this, excuse me, that's what they'll do. They're not, who's been talking about it? Nobody. Uh, not a soul it's forgotten about so it, it it is what it is i also thought it was funny in the conversation we he i asked him i said so you know you guys are talking about fighting Lara next i mean you know that's a quick quick turnaround and, and a really tough fight and he said i you know i don't know who where this lar talk talk came from or or where it started he's i ain't been contacted by nobody that know that's brought up anything about a lara fight So, you know, anybody who read a, maybe read a Mike Coppinger tweet uh, a couple weeks ago that was, or a week ago that was stating this, uh, there, there ain't no truth to it, people. It ain't happening. That's a, that's Mike Coppinger and his sources, whoever, whoever they are. uh, Nah, they, they wrong on this one.
1: Old cockslinger, just constantly slinging cocks. (laughs) Um, yeah, uh, there's you know it, it goes without saying as far as as far as J Rock's reputation goes. I mean, he's not the one that pulled out of the fight. He's the one that wanted the, you know, the uh, three months out drug testing. He's the one that's enrolled in the WBC clean boxing program. I mean, the guy's is transparent and and you know remember the guy that was under suspicion here was Jarrett Heard, um, but now it's not happening. So. You know, maybe you know, we hear that Jared Hurd walks around at 180, 190 pounds in between fights and to suck down to 154 pounds, maybe it's just taking his toll on him and he just wants to move up to 160. That's crazy. You know what I that, mean?
0: That weight cut is insane.
1: Yeah, dude, it's nuts. Nuts. Um, you know, it, you got to be superhuman to endure that kind of a weight cut after a while, man. Yeah. Um, I mean, dude, you remember when, uh, um, when Terrence Crawford was fighting at lightweight? Do you remember? I think it was was it the HBO two days special and they showed him in the lead up to his fight and he looked like a, I mean, dude, he looked like a fricking AIDS patient like the day before he died. I mean, you know, like he was, he was gone. It was, it was disgusting. It was like, dude, man, you gotta. And then now like at 147 pounds, people are like, you know, everything improves. Like when you're, when you're sucking down weight like that, and oh my gosh, your chin goes, your legs go, like everything becomes, vulnerable
0: everything becomes you know suspect that's why that's um, why gamboa had them doing the dance they saw that and they're like all right look uh no we don't need this anymore it's stupid to be cutting this weight
1: yeah yeah absolutely um all right so j-rock versus Jarrett heard part two is off um the wbo um has ordered uh shakur stevenson and joette gonzalez to square off on october twenty sixth in reno nevada um What's the nickname for Reno? Is it like not like, is it Vegas junior? Biggest like, little city. In uh, the, world? the biggest, the biggest little city. Yeah, I
0: think that's what it is. Hmm.
1: All right. Well, this fights in Reno. Um, I don't, I don't really have an opinion right now. My only opinion about this fight is I am on the side of things with Shakur Stevenson that I do not believe that he is one of these fighters that should be fast tracked. I felt from day one, when they debuted this kid to, to everybody, like as if he was going to be on the same track as, you know, let's say a, uh, uh, you know, a Lomachenko or somebody like that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if, if his, uh, you know, if his 13th fight is going to be, um, you know, if he should be fighting for a title or not, I don't know if Joette Gonzalez is going to, is going to challenge him in this one. I personally am on the side of things with Shakur Stevenson that I just think that he's got a lot of development left to do at the pro game. Now, he's fighting for top rank, so it's not like they have a lot of opponents for anybody. So maybe he'll just, you know, for for you know, for the next 6 or 10 or 15 or 20 fights, um, you know, he'll just kind of recycle the likes of Christopher Diaz and you know, maybe they'll they'll hit up uh, uh
0: VRL Simeon for another one or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> This is a great fight because I, I, and I love it for this reason and this reason alone. Very rarely in the sport of boxing do we get two undefeated, you know, up and coming fighters that are going to fight for a vacant belt. This is a belt that Oscar Valdez left behind. So I'm all for that aspect of this fight because normally it would be one or the other, Shakur Stevenson or Joette Gonzalez, fighting some guy that, that the, the WBO propped up in their ranking system and fed to one of them to serve them up a belt, which is you know we've seen and that's been the way of boxing over the last five years with the prospect champion uh, era in the sport where young younger guys are getting shots at belts and they're they're getting s- sort of handed to them. Now this is this is not that you know this is two really young. Uh, I think uh, Joette's twenty five. And Shakur is 21 or 22. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he's 22. 22. So look, it's, it's a, it's a great fight as far as we get to see two young prospects throw in a fucking belt. I don't care about the belt, whether it's there or not. It doesn't matter to me. I think it's a really good fight. It's a good contrast in styles. Uh, Gonzalez will put, put, uh, calculated smart pressure on Shakur Stevenson. And we, we, we haven't seen him deal with that these last couple of fights, he's looked pretty damn good. He looks like he's deve- he's starting to develop and come into his own, and kind of you know, pick up on on his on the man strength that you get as you grow. Uh, <clears throat> is is he fully there yet? We'll find out. Joe at Gonzalez will will be the type of fighter that will let us know if Shakur Stevenson is legit as a lot of people. I mean, I see it more and more in people's opinions that I respect saying that Shakur Stevenson is the real deal and I'm not saying he isn't. I'm just saying I I haven't seen it against a fighter that would, you know, that I that I can cement that on this kid right now. Like you said there's there's still some development and still some things that could happen there for him to take that next step. But if if he beats and let's say he beats and dominates a Joe Gonzalez, well, then he's there. I mean, he's made that step. He's he's stepped out of the the prospect uh, portion of his career. And is now a champion, which, you know, whether you think it's too young or not, he is that. And he, he's he's made that next step, and he's become a legit, well-rounded, fully-rounded professional fighter. But for me in this fight, um, I think it's a great fight, and I think it'll be entertaining as hell. But I think the, the calculated smart pressure of, of Joette Gonzalez will win him this fight in a really, really, really close decision. Uh, and a fight that will be one of the best fights in the re- in the remaining part of this year. Really, you're that high on it? Yeah, that's a great. I think it's a great fucking style clash and matchup. Yes, of two young fighters. That's a. I, this is the type of shit that I, as a boxing fan, I love. I want to see the young prospects fight on their way up. Why do we got to wait till they're fucking thirty two years old and and past their physical primes or at the very end of their physical primes? I don't care if, if one of them loses to the other, they can fight again two years from now and the situation may, you know, the outcome might be different. It it doesn't change who these guys are as fighters, but it's just, it, it, it's the one sport where you don't see, like, we can't see these two young guys fight. We got to watch them like their careers parallel each other for half a decade before we, before we get the possibility of there being a matchup. That's why this, this, one of the reasons why I love this fight.
1: Yeah, I mean, all joking aside, I, I, I do agree with you on, you know, on those grounds. I, 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 just think for me, I think that they're, you know, I, I am not convinced that Shak- like, like when I watch Devin Haney fight, I see something special, right? Um, I see something that is like, wow, like this kid does it differently, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, he has a, a maturity to him and a just his style of fighting is so intelligent. You know, um, he seems to know exactly what to do he He's a mature fighter, right for his age, and you know Stevenson, to me still looks he's gotten more aggressive in his last couple fights, which has lent itself to a more exciting style, and like now, let's not pretend you know I mean Christopher Diaz was really his first real opponent, right, his like first like decent opponent um you know, and <sighs> Even though he has improved, he's started to grow into his body. He's starting to get some of that man strength or whatever. To me, his game seems a little – he's outmatching his opponents. So I I am curious to see what what happens when he's got to face some pressure in the ring. Maybe he's the kind of kid that just, like, the cream rises to the top. The better the competition gets, is going to bring more tricks out of this kid's bag, and we just haven't seen it yet. And, and again, let me just give my – Myself, you know, a little taste of my own medicine here. The fact is, is that he is on the come up. So this is part of the development. And I completely agree with you that why wait, you know, like jump in the fire. Let's see what these guys are made of. It's better now than, you know, languishing for, you know, 25, 30 fights. And then you find out. Um, I think it's a, it's a, it's good to see what is invested in these guys and where they're at at this point in their career. I just want to see the young Olympian um, Shakira Stevenson. I want to see him live up to the hype. That's all. I'm just like a, a father that's being bullish on his, on his kid who he knows he's super smart, but he's getting shitty grades in school.
0: Right. I, I don't blame you one bit, man.
1: You know, I just want to see him do good. Um, anyways, uh, we'll close the show. Derek Chisora, um, he needs some lube. Hey, no Vaseline, baby. How does he know what it's like to be railed with no Vaseline? That that that's my question. <laughs> He's heard Ice Cube talk about it. Ken, <laughs> is that what it is? Um, he just completely. I hope that that was, you know, like a a little freestyle uh, improv or something. Because man, he
0: lost the plot well, there. If you look back on his career and press conferences that have that have involved him, I mean. There's always
1: Yeah, they've been off off the yeah, rails. Yeah, he's
0: like chucking tables and it's all kinds of shit, man. He grabbed Pulev's head that one time, act like he was going to pull his head down and throw a knee at, knee to him. This guy's, Chazor is just Chazor. At least he's entertaining. I will say this, for a guy to go off like that, and I get it, Derek Chazor is a big dude. I don't really think, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I would have stood up and told him to shut the fuck up if that was my press conference and I was, but he certainly just bitched everybody down in that room. And everybody its like, all of a sudden everybody didn't know what to say. And pro gray kind of like tried to jump in there and say his words. And she was like, man, shut up. You ain't selling no tickets. Who are you? I, you know, it's, I look, it was funny as hell. I, I enjoyed it. (laughs) Derek Chazor is what he is. And, uh, He's a little off the rails and he's always been entertaining. And now he's, uh, he's changed his style in the ring. So I'm here for it. But for him to think like, you really think you should be the main event on seriously, whether you think these guys sell tickets or not, like the most intriguing fight for the remainder of the year in boxing. Like one of the fights that if you ask any boxing fan is either one or two, as far as the fight they're looking forward to the most for the remainder of the year. You think you should be the main event? You and Joseph Parker should be the main event. No, no, son. You're the co-main.
1: Wasn't he the co-main on a David Allen pay-per-view? Yes, he was.
0: (laughs) I mean... If there was ever any time for for Vaseline, it was then.
1: Yeah. Well, then maybe he does know what it's like to... (laughs) need the vast because is he's been getting bent over for years by eddie you know <laughs> so what I, mean? I took
0: it last time dry eddie this time you're gonna rub a little bit of shit on the tip of that thing
1: that's what it is Derek has the paul smith eddie hearn video that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> been searching been searching the entire united kingdom for that video Chizora has it <laughs> oh man i i get it you know what i mean i get it like Chizora is a you know, he's a commodity over there. Everybody knows who he is. Um, and you know, and, and he spot on. Yeah. You're on the card to sell tickets. There's no doubt right. about it. Hey, and I have, you know, I have no, uh, no problem whatsoever. I would enjoy, even if it was a, a one-off watching a five o'clock in the afternoon, Saturday showdown between Derek Chisora and Joseph Parker, that could have been its own event. Absolutely. I'm surprised, Ed, I'm surprised Eddie didn't. Yeah, think Eddie, that. I'm
0: surprised Eddie ain't milking that for you know the pay per view number thirteen of the year. <laughs>
1: um You know, but the truth is, is that you know Pro Grade Taylor is a is a you know a die hard fight fans you know Beat yeah. Fest. You know, I mean to quote the great Randy Moss, I shake my dick at it, <laughs> and you know, um, so. I love the fight, so that doesn't need. I, I'm not. I'm not worried about any. I, I had no intentions or plans of watching anything other than that fight whenever it was going to be broadcast. But guess what? As long as Derek, there Chisora, you know, uh, you know doesn't go raw dogging it before the fight, um, then I'll tune in and watch Chisora versus Parker. Yeah. It's got to be. It's got to be show to some extent. I mean, just the look on Eddie's face, like, like he's laughing, like the look, like the smirk on his face while this is going on. To me says like, Oh, you're taking it a little too far there, Derek.
0: Yeah. Come on now, guy.
1: <laughs> we did, this, this is what we talked about in the, in the, in the briefing before the press conference.
0: Eddie, he will take it any way you can get it.
1: Yeah, he will take it any
0: way he can or, get Or he'll it. give it any way he can give it, apparently. <laughs> oh,
1: these poor fellows, man. These poor fellows. <laughs> Just hope somebody finds the lube. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I'm surprised we went over an hour on this episode as, um, you know, there's enough, enough drama in the sport to pop out one of these episodes of the boxing Ran It was
0: always time for some incoherent babble, Ken.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It is, uh, late here on the East coast on Wednesday night. So I will get this show processed and into your download box here. Shortly, But we appreciate all of you tuning in to the 238th episode of the Boxing Rant Podcast. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Subscribe to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. And um, when you're listening on iTunes, uh, please leave us a review. We appreciate that. Uh, Come visit us on social media, on Twitter, at Vince Cummings 81, and at Kenny Keith Jr. And, of course, on Facebook, uh, Instagram and everywhere that you consume the podcast. And if you're one of those old school guys that likes to listen to it on his desktop computer, drop by www.boxingpod.com. Well, then I guess there's not much going on next week, but in two weeks we have ourselves a big pay-per-view. Let's take a week off, brother. We earned it. Oh, maybe we'll see. That's right. You're going to be on vacation. Well, maybe you can call me from your, um, you know, from your Caribbean cruise. Yeah,
0: right.
1: All right. Well, we appreciate all of you tuning in to episode 238 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. Muchas gracias, everybody.